I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. This episode of Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by Equal Pay for Chupacabras. Instead, it's brought to you by us, or maybe you. You've heard me read ads for brands before like Bombas, Socks, Zola.com, and Breakout Games, all amazing companies that I truly believe in. These ads are great because they keep the show free for you and introduce listeners to new products you'll love. It's a win for everyone, and I'm happy to have the help and expertise of Midroll Media to ensure that the show continues to have great advertisers. If you're interested in advertising with our show, go to midroll.com sideways and click contact to let the folks at Midroll know. They also represent great shows like Generation Y and My Favorite Murders, so you can reach an array of engaged listeners. That's Midroll, M-I-D-R-O-L-L dot com slash sideways. You know how to spell sideways. Well, hi there. Welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I'm your host, Joe, joined as always by Steve and your other host, Devin. Yeah. Yeah, the usual. Joe's people. not the only host. Yeah. He's the host this week. Yeah, I, I guess. I'll let it host. slide. Right. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Okay, well, I guess you know what's really going on in the back of my head, huh? <laughs> <laughs> He's been reading about this story too long. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Uh, uh, okay, well, here we go. Yeah, I totally want to seize the podcast all for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this week, we're going to talk about a fun disappearance that a lot of people think was a murder. And that's a guy in uh, Australia named Bob Chappell. Uh, his name is spelled Chappelle, uh, but it's pronounced Chappell, apparently. He disappeared January 26, 2009 in West Hobart, Australia, 
which is in Tasmania, which, if you don't know, is a, an island off the south coast of the Australian mainland. It's part of Australia. And uh, the story was suggested by our listeners, Lucille and Renee, who no doubt are Tasmanian themselves, because mm-hmm. this story, as it turns out, is a really big deal in Tasmania, and actually Australia in general. Oh, yeah. Even though a lot of Americans maybe have not heard of it, but it's big down there. Now you will have. And it is, it is ongoing. Yeah, now you're going to know all about this story. Uh, America, Europe, Pakistan, uh, you name it. So Bob Chappell, uh, when he went missing in 2009, Bob was living with a woman named Sue Neal Fraser, who is now in prison for murder. Uh, and Bob and Sue had been together about 18 years when Bob disappeared. And according to some people, well, the... The fun had gone out of the relationship. Mm. Uh, yeah. That it does was, tend to happen it to happens. a lot of relationships. It does happen, yes. Uh, and, but that, of course, made her kind of a good candidate as a suspect for murder. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Typically, you know, not unusual, right? Uh, like, but like I said, a ton of people in Tasmania think she's innocent and that her conviction for Bob's murder was a huge miscarriage of justice. And there's a big campaign going on to find information to exonerate Sue with all kinds of court appeals, uh, one of which just happened. Yeah. As a mm-hmm. matter of fact. Uh, yeah, and you probably, if you go out and look, you'll find, you'll see that billboard that's got that picture of Sue, and it says, reward $40,000 for information. Yeah. Yeah. You know, proving the innocence of Sue, Neil, Neil Fraser, and uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about how the whole appeal thing played out here, but well, let me give you a little more background first. So this kind of kind of violates our five-year rule, but well, kind of not. Well, it's over five years, but you know, I picked the story and and, I, and everything, and then I and then after I, I go out to do my research, I suddenly realize, oh, all this new stuff happened, mm-hmm. and then whenever you do a search, all these new links pop up. Yeah. And, Technically, he's yeah. over the limit, but luckily, no, nothing conclusive came about. Yeah. yeah. Which is why we're still talking about. Yeah. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so, who knows? I mean, maybe she's still in prison now, but who knows? Maybe somebody will spring her one of these days. <laughs> or she'll finish her sentence and just get out of prison. With our luck, like two days before we drop this episode. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> and proved conclusively. Somebody will confess. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, anyway, back to, the, back to the beginning here. Bob and Sue were both divorced with kids. I think he had three, she had two. And I think the kids were grown by the time this happened. Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, Bob and Sue had been a thing for about 18 years uh, when Bob sh- finally shuffled off the stage. And I'm putting it that way because actually nobody really knows what happened to Bob. Nope. No, he just vanished. Uh, everybody assumes he's dead, which includes the police, the courts, his family, friends. Uh, yeah. But maybe not. But no body was ever found. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's actually not 100% rock solid. There's actually Bob a, is dead. a very big void in evidence for what the heck happened to him. Well, yeah. yeah interestingly enough, no body was found. No murder weapon was found. Right. Yeah, I know. And so uh, it's interesting that police managed to get a conviction out of this out of this mm-hmm. whole thing. Agreed. Yeah, but in 2008, uh, just months before this happened, Sue and Bob bought themselves a nice big boat, a 53 foot catch called the Four Winds, which actually I've seen photos of it. It's really nice. Yeah. What's what's a catch? A catch is. A, is like a, it's a two-masted sailboat, but it's uh, it's the, the tall mast is in front and the short mast is in the rear of the boat, the stern. Cool. That's a catch. And there's also the yawl, which is a similar rig, but a yawl, the, the, the aft mast is stepped a little further back and it's smaller. Okay. So there's a difference. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Unfortunately, everybody in podcast land couldn't see Joe's defining hand gestures. Yeah, I was so. making hand gestures yeah. at Devin. You he was also started, looking yeah. very concerned at me, like, I'm no. concerned you don't understand this already. How could you not know what this is? I mean, and, you're about to buy a boat. <laughs> right. And for, That's and, true. And actually, okay, for the sailing purists out there, the, the distinction between a catch and a yawl is the yawl, the mast is stepped behind the steering station. And the catch is stepped in front of the steering station. Okay. You're just showing off now. Yes. Okay. All right. That's, that's how you tell the difference between the two. Okay. 
But they bought it in Queensland, which is on the northeast coast of Australia, quite a ways from Tasmania. And uh, they had ideas for the boat about retiring, doing a lot of sailing. They were planning maybe a dream trip of sailing around Australia. And But alas, fate intervened. They never took that trip. Uh, when they were in Queensland, after they bought the boat, they hired two crew members to help them sail to Hobart. And their names were Peter Stevenson and David Casson. And presumably uh, that's because they were unfamiliar with the boat and these guys... They had some sailing experience. I know Sue, at least, had owned a, a fairly decent-sized sailboat previously. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, and so presumably... And that was while they were together, so presumably he picked up a lot of experience sailing on that. And, uh, right. And so I but think I'm that, guessing it was kind of a, you know better, and this is a bit of a training run for us Yeah, well, idea. probably, yeah. I don't know how big the previous boat was. Obviously, a 53-foot catch is, is kind of bigger yeah, and harder handle than a little 26 foot sloop or something like that and you know if it's been a couple years yeah you know or maybe maybe they just wanted a a couple of extra hands so they could actually catch some sleep also possible (laughs) it could be that would definitely Uh make for some lighter work yeah yeah but uh, they hired these two guys and uh, then unfortunately bob had a, a, a few medical issues and wound up checking into the hospital for a little bit and he decided to fly back to hobart while Sue and the crew sailed the boat back. And as for Hobart, that it is on the southeast coast of Tasmania, what, on what's called the River Derwent, and I'm no doubt mispronouncing that. Probably. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe the Australians call it the Darwin or something like that, mm. or the Darwin, or I don't know. Uh, somebody send me an email. The doorstop, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, although, and where Hobart is, it's on the River Derwent, but it's kind of more of an, a big inlet there. It's huge. It's wide. Yeah, okay. Near the sea. Yeah. Where they had it anchors uh, off Battery Point uh, in Hobart, uh, in the river, on the west side of the river. And, of course, when they bought the boat, it had a few issues, which is not a surprise. Boats usually do. They're... And it was a used boat, right? It was a used boat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So boats they... are holes in the water that you throw money in. Oh, hell yeah. And it was could have been one of the things that placed a little strain on their relationship. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah, they do that. Mm-hmm. And I know, Steve, you're going through like a little project right now that's placing a little strain on yours. Yes. <laughs> and it is a little project, but it has turned into a big project. Mm-hmm. As uh, they all do. Yes. yes don't remodel do. your home. It's yeah. a bad idea. Just uh-huh. buy a new one. Yep. Uh, just, just throw that just, one in the just garbage. Burn the old one and start over. Uh-huh. <laughs> Insurance yeah. money is great for that. Yeah, just sell it and buy something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the boat had, uh, had some work done before leaving Queensland and, uh, and then, of course, after getting in Hobart, it needed some more work done. And, of course, in the last day that he was seen, Bob Chapel was on the Four Winds working on the boat. Or at least that's what he said to Sue. Well, and, of yeah. course, if it needed work, then it would make sense that you would just go and work on the boat. Yeah. If you got the time and you want to retire on it. Yeah, exactly. You don't think so. around about it. Yeah, and, and besides, which this is your dream boat, you want to get the thing all ship-shaped, no pun mm-hmm. intended, and then have it all ready to go. <laughs> yeah. So you got to get that stuff taken care of. Yep. And so Bob was working away, and uh, on the morning of 26th January, Sue visited Bob in the yacht, uh, left late morning to go and have lunch with a friend. Turns out the friend was his daughter, Anne. Sanchez. Bob's daughter? Yeah, mm-hmm. Bob's daughter. Okay. And, yeah, Carolyn Ann Sanchez. I think she goes by Ann. Okay. Uh, and it, sorry, Sue was going to have lunch with her? Sue, yeah, Sue okay. went to have lunch with her. Okay. Uh, and they met at the Royal Yacht Club, which is re- actually right where it was anchored anyway. It was anchored offshore. I assume they didn't have a slip at the Royal Yacht Club, even though I think they were members and had privileges, but it looks like it's all full. If you look at the aerials, it's all full, and there's literally dozens of yachts anchored offshore from it. Mm-hmm. So I assume there's a waiting list to get into the Royal Yacht Club. I'm sure, I wouldn't be shocked yeah, by that. That's why they had their boat moored out way out in the river. In the cheap of, seats. Yeah, instead mm-hmm. of, you know, on a slip. Yeah. Now, during, but during this uh, lunch, uh, Ann Sanchez took a photo, which was later used as evidence against Sue. We'll hear about that later. Mm-hmm. But then later on, about mid-afternoon, she returned to the boat. 
and she told police that she had an argument with Bob, and Bob told her he wanted to stay on the yacht overnight. So she took the dinghy, and their dinghy, by the way, was an inflatable craft, kind of like a Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Big rubber boat. Big rubber boat. It's kind of with a motor. Pon- the pontoons. It's got the flat transom in the back, and it had a and had an outboard on it. Mm-hmm. So she takes the dinghy back to shore, which left Bob stranded on the yacht overnight. And this was the last time that Sue saw Bob, at least as far as, potentially. Yeah, potentially, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and she was questioned later and told police uh, about leaving him stranded on the yacht. And she said that she, she thought it was safer to leave Bob on the yacht without the dinghy because she said he was not actually good at getting in and out of it on his own. And apparently she was worried he might screw up and fall into the water and drown. I don't know. Well, was that because he was just kind of clumsy at it? Or is it because of like a medical issue? Because he'd had the medical issues that prevented him from, I never, you know, coming from yeah. with the boat home. So it's, I, Yeah, I had never, never heard it said exactly why okay. it was she was concerned about his abilities. Or getting, I getting in and out of wondered the, it as the, I did all the reading and couldn't figure it out. So, okay. yeah. Presumably because they'd been married 18 years and she knew that well, dudes together. are... Oh, Not yeah. married. That they, yeah. they'd been together for 18 years and that she kind of thought, well, he's kind of an idiot. He fell yeah. in the water <laughs> that and, I hate, times. Yeah. and, and, <laughs> and actually, I hate him. And I hate him. And I despise him. So he was just incompetent. <laughs> he's as, just so as dumb. Everything. But, uh, and, I, and of course, some people contradicted that. There were other people who said, no, we saw him get in and out of it all the time off the yacht and he had no problem at all doing it. It so. was only when Sue was around drugging him that yeah. he had a hard time. <laughs> Maybe that was it. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> When Sue got back to shore from her visit with Bob on the boat, she tied the dinghy to a ladder at the Royal Yacht Club. Uh, she said she tied it her usual way with three knots. I don't know what those three knots were, uh, but she said that it had never come undone before. So, of course, it came so, undone. Naturally. Yep. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, of course, happened. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, so it came, comes undone overnight, or somebody untied it. Uh, the evidence indicates actually that somebody did untie it because the painter, you know, you know sailors are, they got to call everything a different name. Mm-hmm. So that it's rope... like the Eskimos with 700 names for ice. Uh-huh. Yeah, I uh-huh. know. And 3,337 for snow. Yeah. Yes. Damn it. But anyway, so what do, yeah. what do sailors so the, call that? The painter, which is the rope that's tied to the front of the boat that you tie it to the dock with. And it was found inside the dinghy and not trailing in the water as it would have been if it, if it not had come in then. So somebody undid those knots and tossed it in the boat and tossed the rope in the boat or sometime overnight someone who was bad at staging things yeah apparently at, at 5 40 a.m the next morning that would be january 27th uh, an unnamed person i i'd never i'm sure if i'd gone through read through 300 articles i could have found this guy's name i but, don't know that it matters though no not really but he somebody found the dinghy bobbing against the rocks untied mm-hmm. he secured it and then headed out into the water in a boat with somebody else uh, who also i don't have his name and they happened to pass nearby the four winds, and they noticed that it was very low in the water. Convenient. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Yeah. This is probably a stupid question, but do yeah. the dinghies usually have the name of the ship that they're associated, or the boat they're associated uh, with on if, them? You know, it depends on how much money and how just how, how you know and how big the boat is and everything like mm-hmm. that. So if the dinghy is big enough, you know, like you know, you know, obviously the bigger the yacht, the bigger the dinghy. Right. You know, right? And that is when it gets to a certain point. Wait, yeah. are you talking about the owner or the the thing that floats in the water away from? Ah, the boat? yeah. Good point. But, but yeah, typically, I mean, the larger boats, a lot of them do have, they're labeled one way or another. But like this that. one, was this it one, labeled? No, I've seen pictures of this one, and I have not seen it. Okay. Typically, I don't think people paint the boat name on an inflatable raft anyway. Well, I mean, you know, Sharpie or something, just so yeah, you know who's who's, know. right? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a good <laughs> I point. Mean, and so, I'm sorry. I just, I just think yeah. there's probably a lot of dinghies on, a, you know... That's a good point. Uh, you would expect everybody to just know which one is theirs. I, I guess. Think, you know, and uh, 
Yeah. But mine uh, would have Sharpie on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But this one, I've seen a few pictures of it. And I saw no signs of any any labeling whatsoever, okay. other, other than the brand name that was on the side okay. of it. Uh, so they just but, happened to pass by the Four Winds. But yeah, they just these guys happened to pass by the Four Winds. They noticed it's really low in the water, alarmingly low. Uh, so they stopped, uh, climbed aboard, noticed there was a little bit of blood and a few things, like a you know bloody knife, a few things mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. laying around. So they called the police. Uh, the police phoned Sue uh, at Bob and Sue's house at 7.11 a.m. on January 27th that told her they'd gotten a report that their boat was sinking. So Sue gets in the car and heads down to the Royal Yacht Club. And when she shows up and, and police showed up and boarded the Four Winds, they noticed some clues, uh, blood on the steps leading down into the salon, uh, a knife on the floor of the wheelhouse, uh, a flashlight with blood on it, but no Bob. Bob was gone. Okay. Uh, of course, the boat was still low in the water and sinking because it turns out that a pipe to the forward head had been cut. It was a plastic pipe. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, nautical toilets are—they don't, don't use good water to flush the toilet. They just bring in water from outside right. to flush the toilet, and that's why. So somebody cut that pipe, which let water into the boat. So it's an intake line that is now bleeding into the into interior the, of the boat. Yeah, and also it turns out uh, there was a seacock that was underneath the flooring in the forward part of the boat. I should say the bow. Uh, it had been opened also, and What's, also was a seacock. Seacock is just it's a, a plug. Vowel. Got. It's like a okay. you know the plug in your bathtub. Yeah, basically it's that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're just using a lot of Bodhi terms, and I feel like our uh, listeners, no, some good, of them, know no, Bodhi no. terms, but very good point. Now, yeah, mm-hmm. the seacock is there, I and mean, normally it would seem like kind of a dangerous thing to have, but when you haul the boat out of the water and you've got you know water in the bilges, it's nice to be able to open something just up and drain the bilges. Yeah, because yeah. so water is there. really heavy. Yeah, <laughs> it is it very is. heavy. Yeah, and pulling a boat out of the water full of water will actually it, make it tear itself apart oh yeah uh, it's yeah, not it meant can, to sustain the water in that it, way yeah, yeah it can be kind of hard on things yeah oh and also last of all the bilge pump had been shut off okay yeah and wow. so well yeah. so the one a, means to pump that water back out has now been defaulted yeah. okay yeah so, so somebody so somebody obviously had sabotaged the boat mm-hmm. right yeah looks that way to me anyway uh at, at some point the first time sue was on the boat with the police i don't know if she was with them the first time they boarded it or maybe later in the day but she noticed some rub marks on the wooden surrounds of the main hatch of the yacht and, and she, the, that main hatch is to the entrance to the lower deck yeah yeah and so just again clarifying yeah, exactly that's the one that's kind of half door half hatch you know the kind of talking mm-hmm. about where mm-hmm. there's a, a little door in the front and then there's a hatch on top that slides back so you don't bang your head you yep don't this is like what we were talking about in the jim gray episode yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. Uh, so she noticed some, some rub marks on that, which were kind of inconspicuous. She said they had not been there before. And uh, the police noticed there were also fibers in the marks that appeared to be from a rope. And also, they, I don't know if they noticed this because there was an empty bracket or Sue pointed it out, but the boat's fire extinguisher was missing as well. And it was a, apparently a large, very large, heavy model fire extinguisher. It was gone. Okay. Yeah, and uh, so also checking for evidence around and stuff. The police looked at the dinghy. They checked it with luminol. Mm-hmm. You know, luminol, you spray that on it, and right. blood activates it, makes it glow under a black light. Mm-hmm. And, of course, just as a lot of defenders of Sue have pointed out, other things besides blood can activate luminol and make it glow. Mm-hmm. So, but, but apparently they sprayed some luminol on the bottom of the dinghy, and, well, it, a lot of it glowed. Lit so. up like a rave? Yeah, kind of. Um, so, sorry, maybe I'm confused. The, so two guys unnamed find the dinghy, they get in the dinghy? 
No. They just said that uh, the guy that found it secured it. And I don't know if that means oh. he just tied it to something or okay. if that means he drug it For up For some on reason, the rocks. I thought they hopped in it. No, no, no. <laughs> took they, the dinghy yeah, out. Yeah, so they, I was like, no, well, that's... I, I think he just saw it, secured it, and then they went out on his boat. Okay. His and boat then was. they board the four winds and yeah. apparently don't disrupt the crime scene. Well, and that's another thing. That's, as far as I know, they did board it. Uh, I, I, at least in one account I've heard they boarded it. And one of those was actually a court account. So, okay. I, so I would presumably. presume it's probably accurate. Mm-hmm. But then in other accounts I've heard that they, they actually just looked and they yelled and nobody nobody seemed to be home. And then they called police maybe from a cell phone and they're only okay. in the boat. Okay. So maybe they didn't actually board it. Maybe they just pulled alongside and... and uh, okay. and called the police. Okay, and yeah. to go back to your statement about luminol, yeah, uh, the other things. What I mean are they other things that might naturally be in a dinghy that would? No, not necessarily. Okay. Yeah, that would light up a luminol. But pack. apparently, yeah, I can't remember. I looked. Uh, I checked out the uh, uh, the Wikipedia page about it, and there, there's a lot of different substances. Uh, I think that anything that has iron in it, for example, like blood has iron, right. So any anything that would have iron in it, uh, you know, would would def- definitely kind of set. But it not off. anything that would naturally just be all over the floor of a dinghy. Uh, Unless they were like gotten fish in there at one point, probably not. Yeah, no, I okay. don't know how much. I don't they even think get fish would do it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. just making okay. a really stupid example. Yeah. Cool, great. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify those two things. Sorry, good. Yeah, Let's yeah. Go ahead. So, so something that appeared to be blood, but there's, but it, you know, it should be stated for the first sake of fairness that it wasn't actually totally proven to be blood. Okay. Yeah. Just presumed. Yeah, pre- just presumed to be blood. And by the way, still no Bob. Um, what about Bob? Yeah, he didn't even leave a note. Uh, long story short, though, the police looked into it, uh, and after an eight-month investigation, which included lots of forensic examination of the boat and dinghy, uh, lots of interrogations of Sue, and and also bugging Sue's house for a while, and uh, and also interviewing everybody she knew, uh, she was arrested, charged with murdering Bob Chapel. And after a trial, she was sentenced to 28 years in prison. I think that was in 2010 when she was sentenced uh, with the possibility of parole after 18 years. Uh, the, the, it was reduced on appeal later to 23 years, 13, possibility of parole. Mm. So with, with a lot of what people would call very, rather circumstantial evidence. Yeah, it was a pretty circumstantial case. Uh, it really was. Again, no murder weapon, no body. So, did she murder Bob? Did somebody else murder Bob? Not everybody agrees on this. Uh, at, uh, like I said, no body, no weapon. No Bob. Uh, although the prosecution thinks that Sue bashed his head in with a wrench, uh, nobody actually knows what the murder weapon was. So maybe they were dancing his head. They kind of, oh, that's right, no body. What was saying? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, no real smoking gun. And, and by that, I mean, there was no one thing that really incriminated Sue. Uh, it was just a lot of little things that added up. Hmm. But before I get into Sue's guilt or innocence, I'm sure you all want to know what happened to the boat. Did it sink? Well, no. Did it uh, find a new home? Yeah. Well, I'm sure it has by now. Uh, yeah, we yeah. bought it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just kidding. Steal. We got our around the world tour. Uh, uh, it was taken. Um, That's going to be a disaster. Yeah. Oh God, no! We kill each other. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that'd be the question, you know, like, you know, who murdered Stephen Devon? And I, I would say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was on shore leave. Yeah, I was. I was asleep, man. But uh, uh, or maybe who murdered who murdered Joe? And you guys would be like, oh, we were on shore leave. Yeah. Oh, right, back to our thing though. Uh, it was towed to a nearby dock called Constitution Dock. That's just kind of northwest of there uh, and north of the club. Uh, and it was kept there for a few days. Uh, I think the leaks were stopped and everything. 
Um, January 28th, it was taken to a place called Clean Lift Marine and hauled out of the river for inspection. Mm-hmm. Clean Lift Marine is about uh, maybe five miles north of there on the river. And on January 30th, the police were going over it, the forensics guys, and a swab was taken from the boat on the starboard deck, about amidships, which had DNA from an unknown female. Hmm. Yeah, huh. They didn't match anything in the police database. But then about six weeks later, uh, a 15-year-old homeless girl named Megan Voss had a run-in with police. A sample of her DNA was taken and put in the database, and presto, there bing, was bing, a bing. match. Uh-huh. It's like that little bell in uh, Jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so Megan Voss's DNA was on the four winds, and this is this has been a big deal to this day. People are, I mean, she was, I saw a picture of her, she was in court. Just a few months ago, about this whole issue, so it's still a big deal to a lot of people. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a bit. Uh, and they also found another piece of unidentified DNA on the boat, and it has never been identified, which shouldn't come as a total surprise because, uh, according to the police, at least 21 people had been on the boat between the time it was found sinking and when the DNA samples were taken three days later. Mm-hmm. And that's not counting forensics personnel, by the way. Uh, and, of course, people had... I'm sure been on the boat before, you know, there were people that were guests or friends or whatever. Uh, of course, they were having it worked on by various people. And right. so God knows whose DNA that could have been. Uh, or it could have been, you know, maybe a murderer. Who knows? It wasn't Sue's DNA. But yeah. So we got two pieces of DNA that, in theory, weren't supposed to be there. But Megan Voss denied that she had ever been in the Four Winds. She was very consistent about it. Uh, she was asked if she'd ever been to any of the places the boat was at, like Constitution Dock or clean line or clean lift marine and she said no she said she had no idea whatsoever how it got there and they asked her where she was the night of the murder and she was not really sure about that either but it turns out she was homeless like i said and so moving from shelter to shelter so it's easy uh, to lose track of the days yeah and when she was finally questioned about this of course this was you know weeks at least a month and a half after the murders Mm -hmm. maybe longer than that uh so disappearance yeah i understand yeah disappearance not murder oh yeah sorry sorry disappearance yeah yeah. um one thing i will say is i i don't know that this is what's happening here and i'm totally like shooting from the hip again um as my disclaimer here just remembering something that i had heard i feel like it was maybe on like a last week tonight or something like that about a lot of forensic labs having a hard time um when there are multiple people's dna mixed Uh actually isolating the correct dna Mm -hmm. profile it would be an amazing coincidence if it just happened that they had two dna's mixed together that were that provided a positive for for megan but Mm -hmm. It's not unheard of. I mean, well, people have been, I th- I believe, yeah. if I'm remembering this correctly, people have been convicted on what was presented as like hardcore DNA evidence, but, you know, there were like five or six different blood. It was a blended mix. Yeah, yeah. and that it just happened that, you know, you could read certain markers as matching, and so the lab was like, yeah, it matches. Yeah. But it was really only two or three markers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's what happened here. But that it's would be possible. a hell of a coincidence. It would be yeah. a hell of a coincidence. But yeah. it's happened before. I mean, well, people yeah. have been convicted yeah, on evidence like that. I believe again. Yeah. Disclaimer: I believe that I heard that. I might have just dreamed it. I don't know. Yeah, that's fine. Dreams are <laughs> dreams are fine. But, They're uh, admissible. Yeah, <laughs> on but, this but podcast. No, but you but you bring up a good point too, which is that DNA testing is not infallible. Yeah. Even though DNA is is a really really good way to identify people, that assumes that everybody's doing their job right. Yep. Everybody's mm-hmm. being honest, which is not always the case. No. Sometimes not, there's an incentive to mm-hmm. not be 
forthright uh, that you made a mistake oh, because yeah. Yeah. that that tarnishes your reputation, which then screws everything up down totally. the line. Totally. Yeah, and yeah, and so there's all kinds of different ways that you can mess up your DNA test. So, yeah. so I'm. I'm so we shouldn't take this as total proof that Megan Voss was on the four winds, uh, you know. And the prosecution says she was not. They, they, or at least they believe she wasn't. They think it's most likely it was. So how would uh, so so then how 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 did her DNA get there? Well, the prosecution has said the, they think the most likely probable theory is that a policeman tracked it onto the yacht somehow. So it's transference. Yeah, transference. It's, possi- it's certainly possible. Although there's been an argument against that, also. Of course. Yeah. Well, but uh, the, the Victoria Police Department apparently came in and reviewed the case because of all the controversy, and then uh, they looked at the DNA sample they'd taken. They said there's just, I guess, too much DNA or something like that for it to have just been a transference. It had to have been a direct application from somebody. Correct. Okay. Yeah, that's what they said. But, but again, you know, again, I, I, this whole DNA thing is just um, there's so many ways it can get screwed up. Yeah. 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 And so, and of course, Megan is uh, Megan Voss has been very consistent all the way along, which is not really typical. You know, somebody who's actually got something to highlight that usually when they're presented mm-hmm. with that evidence, they're like, uh, "Oh yeah, well maybe I was down there because they actually gave her an out." And I said, "Well, it was tied up at Constitution Dock right over there. Were you ever there over there?" She could have said, "Yeah, I remember I was over there like being homeless one night, and mm-hmm. I stumbled around and put my hands all over a lot of boats." Yeah, she didn't do that. Yeah, she's you know even though it was right near where she lived, she could have just said, "Yeah, I remember stumbling around over there. Mm-hmm. No doubt I touched it." She didn't do that. Yeah. yeah, you know. So again, that doesn't prove that she's you know absolutely innocent. Maybe she did murder. She's also me. maybe she is responsible for Bob's disappearance. She's also fifteen. Yeah, she was at fifteen the at the time well, of the murder. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just saying. That's true. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Megan in a little bit here, but uh, first let's look at the case against Sue Neil Fraser, who, you know, like I said, has a lot of supporters down in Tasmania. The prosecution's theory of the crime is this. Bob and Sue's relationship was reaching its end. From a financial standpoint, Sue would be much better off with Bob dead and her winding up with whole ownership of other common assets, you know, house, boat, whatever. Uh, rather than having to split all that stuff up with Bob and maybe, you know, him even getting 100% of stuff like maybe the house. I don't even know. He might have owned the house outright. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know whose name was on what. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, uh, they did the math on it, and they, they, they feel that Sue was significantly better off with Bob dead. And they were not married? They were not married. They were just But having been partners. together, like it's, it's, it might have been a common-law marriage if yeah. they'd been together for but they weren't. Years. There was no, like... You know, if they get divorced, it's half and half, divided of assets, blah, 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 blah. No, right. no, no, not, not at all. Okay. Yeah. So the prosecution theory is that on the night of January 26th, um, or actually the afternoon of January 26, 2009, Sue went out to the Four Winds and murdered Bob with a blunt object down in the maid cabin and returned to shore, went home. Later that night, uh, she had a phone conversation with a guy named Richard King, uh, in which King demanded to speak to Bob, and Sue said Bob was unreachable at the moment. And then after the call ended, which would have been about 10.35 p.m., Sue became worried that King might go down to the Four Winds himself and discover the body, so she drove down to the waterfront, went out to the boat in the dinghy, winched Bob's body out of the cabin. The boat had a, had a winch on it. And so she used the winch to winch it out of the cabin, or at least to help her get the body out of the cabin. To lift it out. Yeah, yeah, it's a little, you know, a little helping hand there. And uh, dead weight is not easy to move. No, it's yeah, definitely. And uh, so having a, that little extra would probably have done the trick for her. The, then their theory is she tied the body to the large, or put the body into the dinghy, tied it to that large, heavy fire extinguisher that I mentioned earlier to weigh it down. 
took it somewhere down the river to deeper water because uh, they searched the river pretty carefully with, with divers and everything. We're not able to find it. And dumped the body, uh, then went back to the boat to clean it up and get rid of as much evidence as possible. So, you know, pieces of carpet had been removed and stuff like this. And so, um, it, you know, somebody did apparently did try to at least get rid of some of the evidence, although not all of it. Uh, and then she also attempted, of course, to sink the boat. And according to this, is also part of their theory, only Sue or Bob would have been familiar enough with the plumbing on that boat to be able to do what she did. Unless, unless somebody happened to come... What ab- they alleged she did. What, or what they alleged that she did. Unless whoever came aboard the boat and murdered Bob really knew a lot about boats. Which is yeah. possible. I mean, it, like Joe knows enough about boats. Well, you know, but, but even me, if I go to the forward head and, and, you, and, and you say to me, Joe, slash the intake line... I wouldn't know which one was the intake Fair line. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I really wouldn't. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah, you have to actually know your own boat to Fair know that enough, stuff, yeah. probably. And sorry, yeah. I don't think we talked about this. What What was the, uh, what, what, Sue and Bob, were they big people? Was she big? Uh, was he big? I mean, they, they, they were, were they comparable size height. to each other? They were both average of them? height and weight. They were average height. And they, they seemed to be reasonably similar in size. Yeah, he was not okay. a huge guy, and she was not a tiny, petite woman. Okay, you know? great. So, yeah. I mean, you know, just is it even reasonable for her to have, you know, been able to even move his body at all? Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I mean, you know, on a sailboat, you do have winches all over the place that, for, you know, that have to pull heavy stuff like pull anchors up or right, pull sails. Right, but you do have taut, to, like, know? get a body to a place where you can get the winch. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, so. that's, that's what those rub marks in the hatches to your eyes came mm. from. Uh, it's the, the rope. The rope goes down. She ties it around his chest or something like that and then starts winching it up. And I mean, I'm sure it would have been a kind of brutally hard job. I mean, you know, obviously she didn't plan the crime as carefully as she probably should have. I also guess I just have a problem with what, you know, she's the one who pointed the rope marks out. Uh-huh. And like if she had caused them with the winch dragging. She would have kept her mouth shut. She would have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's one possibility. She would have kept her mouth shut. I, I don't know if that was maybe her trying to get out ahead of, uh, trying to get out ahead of the whole thing. And maybe. just, yeah. you know. Um, that was It was dumb that, if she did. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, it was dumb. I mean, I think, but but again, that uh, there and there, there, I've seen other cases where people point stuff out to the police that later incriminated them. It's like, I really do think that it's either maybe arrogance or maybe they're just trying to get ahead. You know, they don't want the police to point to this and, and say to you, what's this? And mm-hmm. have you look all guilty. Instead, you just say, hey, wow, what's that, policeman? You know, yeah. and so that's it's a, dumb. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. But anyway, I I never said Sue was brilliant. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, anyway, back to the prosecution. So yeah, what do they say? Uh, Yeah, let's finish this up. Oh yeah. yeah. So so she uh, she scuttles the boat or at least attempts to, then takes the dinghy back to shore, casts it adrift, goes home at three o eight a.m. She made it a ten pound call at her landline, so that's one zero pound. And apparently in Australia, what that does is it tells you the number of the last incoming call that you received. It's like, what do we have for here that we used to have before? Was it Star Six Star Nine? Six nine. Yeah. yeah, same kind of same thing. This is the prosecution's theory. Uh, why? Why did she do a ten pound? She just—I think she wanted to see if. Well, see, because she was going to, she was going to tell the police mm-hmm. that she was home all night. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody had been trying to call her, I see. Yeah, and so, and her last call was an incoming call from Richard King. Great. So she ten pounds it, and that's the call. Then hey. Okay. You Got know, it. Bingo. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, uh, the, the prosecution's theory seems reasonable enough, but how to convince a jury of this? Because remember, then it's not can't just be kind of reasonable. It's got to be beyond a reasonable doubt. 
Yeah, because, I mean, theoretically, yeah. she could have woken up in the middle of the night, thought the phone had rang and had missed it, and so sure. hit 10 pounds to see if she had truly missed it or sure. if she just dreamed it. Nothing, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. maybe she was taking a midnight shower and just thought, oh, yeah. I thought I heard the phone just ring. a little 3 a.m. Yeah. showering. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. very common. Yeah, well, all the time, I know. Well, first, what were Sue's whereabouts after she parted ways with Bob on the afternoon of January 26th? Well, okay, she says she went to shore, tied up her dinghy, got into her car, and went to Bunnings, which is the Australian version of Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she browsed for a long time, but didn't buy anything, then went home. Uh, Bob and Sue lived on Allison Street, which is about two miles from the Royal Yacht Club. Uh, it's about a mile and a half as the crow flies, but by street, if you walk it, yeah. or drive it, it's two miles. It's never a straight line. Yeah. Uh, Sue said it was getting dark when she got home, so that would be late because sunset in Hobart that day was at 8.41 p.m. And after she got home, she made two phone calls, and then she received that 10.05 phone call from Richard King that I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And she was home the rest of the night until she was phoned by police the next morning at 7.11 a.m. And she drove down to the Royal Yacht Club right away. And that's on the 27th. That's what she told police. Um, and this story, of course, did change a bit over time, as you guys may or may not know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that same morning, the, the owner of a house at 2 Margaret Street found a red jacket on the brick wall outside his house. And you can see this house on Google Street View. They drove past it. To lay this out for you, Marieville Esplanade is a street that runs right next to the marina and kind of runs north-south and parallel to the shoreline. And at the north end of it, near, or near the north end of it, at right angles, there is uh, uh, Margaret Street that goes off of it. It tees into it. And so this house was just right off of Marieville Esplanade. And this, uh, and, and, and where the jacket was found is about 150 yards from where Sue had tied up the dinghy the night before. Right. Which, yeah, the ladder in the Royal Yacht Club. Police showed the jacket to Sue. She said she'd never seen it before. But it turns out she had. In fact, it actually belonged to her. Uh, but, which is weird. Yeah, I don't know why she didn't just own up to it. I don't quite get that. But she said she'd never seen it before. Uh, also noticed that she had, she had apparently injured her, her wrist and her thumb. She had band, a bandage on her thumb and, uh, her wrist had been strapped. Like what? she'd been sprained maybe. Oh. Like with yeah. an ace bandage kind of strapped, I'm oh. guessing is what that means. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out, remember I mentioned that photo was taken at lunch the day before. Well, her hands were visible in the photo and she didn't have any bandages or strapping or anything. Or obvious her. wounds. So something had happened, something had happened, you know, over the, the course of that less than 24 hours to mm-hmm. injure her. Like maybe moving a body. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she also, at that time, unprompted. Now, now remember, this is meeting the police down there. They've been, she's been told. This that, is the day of. The day, the morning of. And she's been told, well, the boat's sinking. She shows up, the police are there. And she said that the four winds had been boarded by somebody two or three days before. And uh, she said she was concerned that drug smugglers had perhaps hidden drugs on the boat. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, there you go. She talked about maybe them getting some sniffer dogs and sniffing the boat to, mm. you know, to see if there were drugs on it. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I've never seen that jacket before. It's the drugs. It's the drugs. I swear <laughs> it's the drugs. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be the drugs, I'm really right? not talking yeah. really fast because I'm on drugs, but you should look yeah. for some drugs. You should yeah. look for some drugs, yeah. There yeah. may be some drugs on it's there. The, I don't know. It's all the drug brothers, yeah. Smugglers. Smugglers. That's what's done it. It's <laughs> smugglers. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, get those dogs on my boat Jeez, right now. Jeez Louise. Well, yeah, I, I kids, think, we're not advocating drugs. Don't do drugs. Yeah, I think at this point, there was no suggestion of foul play even I mean, I mean they didn't even actually know that bob was missing at this yeah. point in time and so yeah so she's it's all, weird she's like going on all yeah it was weird she did she said some weird stuff um but people do well sure i mean yeah and that's not obviously a hang in a fence at least unless you say too much weird stuff and then it is 
But uh, uh, Sue had another interview with the police on February 5th, which would be 10 days after Bob went missing. She did repeat what she said about going to Bonnings after leaving Bob, and then a month later she repeated that claim again to police, but at this point they had a chance to check out the CCTV, that's closed-circuit television, from the store, and uh, they couldn't find her anywhere. And they said, gee, Sue, we can't find you on any CCTV from the store. And also, by the way, Sue, did you know that Bunnings closes at 6 p.m. that day? That's weird, because they, they let me in. <laughs> I was it's the wondering. drugs. It's not the drugs. It's not the drugs. Yeah, I was wondering why there's nobody there. I was wondering why it was dark. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering why I had to, like... Service in that know. place sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and then at that point, she said, well, she was pretty sure she'd gone there that day. And, uh, and in that same interview, she also repeated that she'd been home all night, the night of January 26th to 27th. Man, okay, so yeah. I have a really bad memory, as yeah, you yeah. guys know. I've, I don't think I have even this bad of a memory. I mean, maybe like a year. Oh, maybe, sure, a right? year for sure, but a day before? Yeah, a day yeah. before. Like, I don't know what I did yesterday. I don't know. Maybe she was drunk. Maybe she had gotten Actually, uh, yeah. okay, sloshed. listen, if she is under a lot of stress... If this project is stressing her out and Bob is stressing her out and something else is, and she is just not handling things well. Plus, I seem to also remember somewhere in the reading that she was on some medication that she could was, have a side effect of messing with your memory. Yeah, I think she was on Xanax or something like yeah, that. So yeah, so it is possible that she's did go to a store and it is possible that she went to a Bunnings, but yeah. they may not have been in the same day, same trip. And she may have just in the alphabet soup of her memory mm-hmm. on drugs. She may not. And I'm not saying illicit drugs. I'm saying mm-hmm. prescribed drugs right. yeah. because of side effects. She might have thought that she was telling them the truth. And you know, it's, it's one of those things with memory when you recall it and you say this is you it, it. it, you rewrite yeah. it and you see it. Yeah. And so she yeah. may have inadvertently stuck well, to the wrong have. story. Well, you know, she might have. I mean, that's what a lot of people are saying. They might, they're saying that she might have, it, it could just be misremembering some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It yeah, seems but, like you might say to them, like, you know what? I know this sounds really suspicious. I'm on you know, some drugs, I'm happy to, like, my doctor can talk to you about the side effects. But she may not have realized that it was screwing with her memory, though. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, that's true. I don't know. She may, she may, anyway, sorry, she she didn't remember. We're, uh, this is a, this is a good, uh, you know, good murder tip for all you potential murderers out there. Don't, don't ever give the police too much, you know, give them the bare minimum. They say, well, where were you yesterday? Well, I saw Bob and then I went, and then I went home. And then later on, they're saying, well, we can't account for you being home. With you. I always say, oh, well, I did stop at the store for a little while on the way home. And that's nothing, that's not suspicious. I mean, if I go, yeah. And so anyway, just a murder tip there. Um, Good job, Joe. Yeah, I know. Oh, where were we? So she, she, was, she had talked to the police. Uh, this is, you know, uh, again, like a month and a half, I think, after the, the, the disappearance. Around this time, um, the police also talked to Sue's daughter. She had two daughters, as I said. And they showed her a picture of a car which looked just like Sue's car. And they said, well, this photograph was taken right down by the Royal Yacht Club on 12.15 a.m., the night of the murder. Does that look like your mother's car? And, and, they, and they said, well, I guess. And Well, they must have talked to Sue about this because right after that, uh, her story started to change. Mm. Yeah. Uh, a few days after that, she told, remember, Ann Sanchez, Bob's daughter, mm-hmm. was on the phone with her, said she... she that night, the night of the disappearance, that she had been worried about Bob out there in the boat by himself, and so she got in the car and drove down to the water to look at the boat. 
and then she drove back home. Just to like gaze longingly into just, the distance uh, in the at dark. the boat. Just to, I don't know what she expected to see, like you know, because it Drug was smugglers. dark. Well, yeah, it was yeah. Maybe she expected to see the boat in flames or something like that. I'm not sure, but well, that bomb she planted. Yeah, or that somehow uh, hadn't gone off yet. Yeah. Well, and then uh, not long after, on March 13th, she was interviewed by Felicity Ogilvy, who was a reporter for ABC, which is what Australian Broadcasting Corporation, I think. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah, and she told her a similar story about uh, change, you know, about not staying home all night, getting in the car, driving down to check on Bob. Felicity passed this on to the police. This was the first time police had heard this. You know, every, you know she had always told them that she was home all night. Mm-hmm. So obviously that uh, that got, got their interest. Uh, then March 23rd, Sue had a phone conversation with Ann Sanchez again. And this time she said that she had driven down to Marieville Esplanade, again, the street right outside the Royal Yacht Club, and left the car there. And that was late that night. Left the car there and walked home for exercise. Sure. So changed the story again a little bit. And then May 5th, the police interviewed her again, and she told them that she'd actually been mixed up about time. She was actually on the four winds later than she had thought with Bob. And then she said after that, she, she went to shore, left her car parked on Marieville Esplanade or maybe Margaret Street and walked home because she wanted the exercise. And then later that night, she said, she decided she, she should go get the car and bring it home. And so that was, again, I don't know how late. At some point. Yeah, at some point. So she walks down, again, a two-mile a two walk from her house. She walks down to the waterfront. And when she got to the waterfront, she realized she brought the wrong keys. <laughs> and so she didn't have the car keys. So she turned around and walked back home. And she got the correct car keys and walked back down to the waterfront. She definitely hit her car. step goal for the day, didn't yeah, she? For oh, real. Yeah, yeah. We're talking like yeah, six miles there. And I and, and looking plus the original two miles she walked for home without the car from. So that's a total yeah. of eight miles of walking a day. Yeah, that's pretty that's good. That's a lot of walking. Well, yeah. She mean, was fifty-five. That's not bad at all. Yeah, some people walk. Oh no, I mean, I'm not saying that I haven't walked eight miles in a day. I'm just saying that that's usually. That's, Usually when I go for my six-mile hikes, I do it in the daylight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this would have been late at night, right? Yeah, very late at night. Remember, right. she was on the phone with Richard King till 1035. Right. That's right. That's so, right. Yeah. Uh, so it would have been at least, yeah, after that. So so she finally succeeds in, in coming down there with the right keys, and uh, and she got the car. Then she drove north, and you can see this on, on Google Earth if you look at it. Uh, she drove north, and there's a jetty there just not far north of the Yacht Club, and there's some, some metal sheds out there where there's a rowing club and uh, drove out onto the jetty to the end and walked down to the end of the jetty to look across to the boat and see it and just to check on Bob. And who knows, maybe she was like jealous. She thought Bob might be partying or something like that. She was looking for like bright lights and loud rock music or something like that. Mm-hmm. But she a did... little shrimp on the Barbie. Yeah. And, and rock and roll tunes. Yeah. So she looked out to see if uh, <laughs> what was going on with Bob. Couldn't see anything because it was pitch black. Because it was night. Yeah, it was night. And then she Surprise. went home. Yeah. And then in that same interview, the police uh, asked, asked her about the red jacket again. And they said, they said, you know, I don't know if they actually pulled it out and showed it to her or just mentioned it to her. They said, well... You remember the red jacket that you said you'd never seen before? Well, we tested it for DNA. Your, your DNA is all over it. It's your jacket, isn't it, and, Sue? Yeah. <laughs> so she admitted it was her jacket. Uh, and, and then... Uh, but, okay, wait, 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 wait. What's so incriminating about the jacket other than they found it and she lied about it? Yeah, nothing really. I don't, okay. I, yeah, I mean, it's just strange that she lied about it. Okay. Yeah. I'm just making sure I'm clarifying that and that there wasn't but, something on it well, that incriminated her. I guess I should say the other, the only other thing that was incriminating about it was that Sue had said she left in mid-afternoon. She left the yacht, 
and went to Bunnings and then went home. And the person who lived in the home at 2 Margaret Street found it early in the morning. He said when he came home at, at night, and he didn't, I'm not sure exactly what time that night, the jacket was not there. Mm-hmm. So sometime... Sometimes in the night, in it the made night, its way. the jacket winds up on this wall. Okay, and so okay, that's what that's the significance of the whole thing. Okay, yeah, and, you know, and also the denial. Frankly, it never looks good to police. So none of this is looking good for her when she goes to court. No, no, it doesn't look doesn't look that great. Yeah, and at trial, yeah, it, it did go to trial. Things didn't get better. Um, and so remember what I just said when she after she got in the car, she'd driven to the end of the jetty to ch- look at the four winds and check on mm-hmm. Bob. Well, it turns out there was somebody else on that jetty that night. His name was John Hughes, and he testified that he didn't see anybody else out there. And since Sue said she'd driven out to the end of the pier or the, the jetty in her car... It'd be pretty hard to miss. Uh, that would be kind of hard to miss, yeah. And, and Hughes also testified that he did see a woman or somebody who looked like a woman in an inflatable dinghy with an outboard motor heading northeast from the Royal Yacht Club and in the general direction of the Four Winds. And that was about between 11.30 and maybe 12 hmm. that night. Okay. And so uh, so that's not so bueno. Uh, and then also the, the police, as I said, interviewed everybody that Sue knew and Sue and Bob knew. And they happened to track down this guy, one of the sailors, Peter Stevenson, the guy. One who of the helped, guys who helped bring the boat to yeah. where they were at. Yeah. Yeah, one of that guy. Uh, he testified that Sue, when they were on the trip, uh, told him that her relationship with Bob it was, had been strained and that it was basically over and it had been over for some time. He also said that when they arrived in Hobart and Bob met them, apparently he approached to Sue, maybe wanting to hug her or something like that. And she just basically kind of stood back from him and, and ignored him, was not terribly, was not warm towards him at all. So again, that doesn't prove anything. No, at all. it just Although, proves that they were fighting. Yeah, I mean, it's still, which is a very normal thing for couples to do. Well, yeah. it is, but they've been apart for quite a while. I don't know how long it takes to sail from Queensland down to down to Tasmania. I, I would think it would take a while. I mean, think, think like a week anyway. Something like that. But yeah. listen, if if something gets on in somebody, you know, they yeah. get a burr under their saddle and they are pissed at you about something. Yeah. And they've had a week to stew on it by themselves and then you yeah. show up. Yeah, maybe. They're not going to welcome you with open arms. They're yeah, going to say, get be. the hell away from me. Yeah, it could be. I mean, this, this, this is all not necessarily proof of anything yeah. like that. You know, just uh, there was some tension between them. Okay. But uh, I don't know what other, what more testimony they had. They had Bob's son, uh, Tim Chappell, uh, he testified that he'd been with Bob and Sue in the Four Winds twice in the month before the murder. And he said the tension between them was so thick that you could cut it with a knife. He said it made him uncomfortable. And then he, he also said that Sue told him on January 27th, again, this is like right after Bob disappeared, Four Winds had been broken into twice in Hobart. And Tim said he was surprised because he hadn't heard anything about this before. And I got the impression that Tim actually had a fairly close relationship with his dad, mm-hmm. and and his dad so probably would have mentioned yeah, something like he that to him. That's why he, he felt surprised by it. And she actually, I mean, as far as all the break-ins, she, I mean, Sue had said that it had been broken into, the yacht had been broken into up in Queensland. Later on, she denied that she had ever said that. She said, and, and it's so, her statements on that, and that's why I'll, there's a lot of statements she made about this stuff. I'm not talking too much about that because she was all over the place on that. Well, and there's yeah. th- this is again another one of those stories where there's so many conflicting accounts, especially when they come from that one person, that it's hard to cover them all because you just it becomes jibber jabber. 
Yeah. It, it's hard to follow because as I did this, no, I did that, I did this, no, I did that, I did this, and I and uh-huh. yeah. Wow. yeah, the whole the whole break in thing, yeah. And I, I and there were there were a few other uh, testimonies to the fact that, that she had said that the relationship was over. I'm not going to name names or going too deeply into that except for one guy. Uh, a former friend, I, and I think my former friend, I don't think they'd had a falling out, but they just sort of like... Kind stopped of, hanging out. Just stopped hanging out, lost track of each other. But this guy's name was Philip Triffitt. Last name reminds me of Triffitt. Mm. But uh, he used to be buddies with them, and he testified that in the 1990s, I think this was ni- like 96 or 97, he was on Sue's boat. This was the boat that she owned prior uh, right. to the yeah. Four Winds. And uh, they were out, and she asked him to help her take her brother Patrick out to sea and drown him. What? Yeah, apparently there was some dispute between Sue and Patrick over her mother's property. And so Sue had this plan to weigh Patrick down with a toolbox and send him off to Davy Jones' locker. Uh, and then her idea was that, that uh, Philip Triffitt would then take the boat closer to shore and sink it after she had gone ashore in the dinghy. And then she, he said, he testified in court, she showed him how they could sink the boat by using the bilge pump. And that that would be another way, too. I mean, besides... Just shutting it off. You could actually reverse, reverse it. You yeah. could reverse it. So did he mention way. if they, if she came up and explained this entire plan over a case of Fosters? Uh, I'm assuming they were on a boat. I'm assuming there were a few beers involved. Well, that's yeah. what, you know, yeah. it's like you sit around and you, you can talk. I mean, if you got nothing to do but yeah. talk for days, you can come up with some wild stuff and oh, just sure. keep going, especially if, yeah. you're, if you're boozing it up. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. For, for sure. I mean, if, if, if they put me on trial for murder, that all the people that they could drag in to talk about, oh, how many times did Joe talk about murder with you? Well, quite a few times, See, actually. we've done yeah. 200 <laughs> and... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, it wouldn't look good for me. That's why I got to stay out of that whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know why, but Philip Triffitt, I don't know why he didn't agree with this pl- to this plan, or maybe it was the part about him sinking the boat after she'd taken off with the lifeboat. Like the Because, she, yeah, that was her plan. You sink the boat while I'm going to shore in the dinghy. So, so apparently... You, you hang out on the sinking boat. Yeah, that mm-hmm. never came to it. Maybe he was a good swimmer, I don't know. But he also testified that not too long after that, she, he and Sue had, had another conversation at her home, and Sue thought, said that she wanted to do a similar thing as she talked about with her brother Patrick before, except she wanted it to do she wanted to do it with Bob, mm-hmm. uh, and she wanted to wrap him in chicken wire instead of you know doing the whole I don't know why chicken wire, but maybe uh, this is why Philip didn't want to be friends with her. Maybe <laughs> because she just kept being like, "These are all the ways I'm going to murder the people around me," and yeah. he was like, "Maybe I shouldn't." It's like the, a, maybe it's I don't need this. Friend at work. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, I tell you, like thinking like, well, when I'm not around, she talk about murdering me. Yeah, I wonder. Maybe yeah, I don't so need I, this kind of negativity so I, in yeah, my life. Do I want, or maybe do I want to be boating with this person? No, out in the ocean. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe not. not. Don't turn your back on her anyway. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that was that didn't look so good. But of course, that's not just positive. But in the in the you know when you look at all the other things that people are saying, Sue said to them, well, it doesn't look so good. And she then could the, have just been a generally unpleasant person. I don't I know. I mean, it's completely possible. Yeah, I, yeah, Probable. I don't know. But, uh, well, anyway, uh, long story short, Sue was convicted uh, and sent to the pokey for murder mm-hmm. uh, based on a very circumstantial case. And, of course, her family and friends began a movement to exonerate her and get her sprung from prison. Uh, again, as, as we have already said, the case against her wasn't really airtight. Uh, there was no body, no murder weapon, uh, there was that DNA evidence showing two other people had been on the boat. Uh, and they also stressed, as, as we've already talked about, that her changing stories might have been the result of a poor memory mm-hmm. and stress and drug use. Um, and then there were also there were three witnesses who said they saw a gray dinghy saw alongside the four winds that day. 
of course, and and the the four winds dinghy is white. Hmm. So, and they said they saw a gray dinghy. Yeah, and, that's that gray, varying grays of varying shades of white. Well, and that's, distance. And, that is the deal. Is that uh, yeah, and certain, especially if it's in the shade and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, on a sunny day. A yeah, white I, dinghy, I don't so. put a whole lot of stock in it. It was a gray versus yeah. white boat. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, and so that's. Uh, but but then, and I also mentioned that thing about the Victoria Police doing their review, and they're 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 thinking that the the deposit of Megan Voss's DNA was by direct contact and not transference. And they also said that they felt that it would have been, quote, mechanically impossible for the applicant to have winched the deceased in the manner described by police, unquote. So that was their considered opinion. They didn't think it was possible for her to get that body out of the, out of the cabinet into the dinghy, not okay. for Sue anyway. Okay. That's what they said. And then last of all, there was a local sailor whose name I can't remember now. I saw a picture of him. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's helpful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, the picture of him was a somewhat older picture where he had long shoulder-length hair. Uh-huh. And uh, he came out after after the trial at, after the trial and conviction and said, well, I was I was out of my dinghy that night, and I had, my hair was down to my shoulders. Maybe he saw John Hughes on the jetty at the rowing shed, saw me and not Sue. I mean, mm. It could have, could have been he saw me. And saying you're going in the general direction of a boat is yeah. a pretty wide swath of, sure. of directions. So. Yeah, it is. It is. So so these are some of the various uh, things that have made people think that, well, maybe Sue's case deserves another look. Mm-hmm. And and it has had another look or two. Uh, again, there's been appeals uh, and, and more appeals. The most recent one, I think, was to the, Supreme, the Australian Supreme Court. So this is what we call controversy. Uh, as, and as I said, it's gotten huge coverage in Australia. Uh, and, of course, there's that $40,000 reward that I think I mentioned earlier. Yep. Uh, yeah, and, and the billboard. And, yeah, and the billboard. Uh, and in this latest appeal earlier in this year, Sue's defense lawyers promised there'd be some startling new fresh evidence. And it is because Megan Voss, remember her, has returned. Oh. Yeah. That girl. Uh-huh. But before we talk about that, let's take a break. You wake up one morning and realize you're 30, or 40, or 50. You feel bloated and chubby from overindulging like you're 21 again. You promise yourself that this year is the year you are going to do something about it. Why not make things easier on yourself with a customized protein drink that's jam-packed with all the essential nutrients you, yes you, need? It allows you to personalize your mix while delivering the highest quality of fruits, vegetables, and protein, plus 25 essential vitamins and minerals. And since iFit Nourish is passionate and picky about their ingredients, there's no artificial flavors, no added coloring, no preservatives, and no filters. Ever. And don't worry, all of their flavors have been approved by a panel of taste judges, aka us, and are completely delicious. Are you ready to simplify your life? Just go to ifitnourish.com slash sideways for a free 14 serving bag of iFit Nourish mix and shaker bottle. It's hassle-free and 100% convenient. It's ifitnourish.com slash sideways to create your own mix today because motivation is hard enough. And we're back. In April 2017, uh, which is just, you know, mere months ago. Yep. Uh, Megan Voss finally fessed up. Uh, she signed a statement admitting that on the night of January 26, 2009, she was indeed on board the Four Winds with two unnamed men. Um, and this obviously is a game changer. I mean, all the other previous appeals, 
they've never really brought any startling fresh new evidence. They're really just fighting what they considered circumstantial evidence. Yeah, essentially just they keep, you know, going poking holes in the case. Yeah, trying to, you know, just saying, Hey, this guy had long hair that night and he said he was out in his boat. Yeah. Luminol <laughs> you know, so, activates on other things, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But this was really a game changer. Uh but then in fall, this is just a couple of months ago, it was time for Megan. And obviously, by the way, if you're listening in the year 2057, well, it was 50 years ago. Yeah. Right. But yeah, for us, from this standpoint. But when it was time for Megan to take the stand, uh, she recanted her story. Uh, she said she had been coerced into signing the statement the, about being on the Four Winds. And it turns out that uh, her boyfriend was a biker named Sharky. Great name. Yeah. I, I think name. I'm going to change mine to that. Uh-huh. Uh, he is a, man, a member of the Devil's Henchman Motorcycle Club. Mm. That's a fun name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her, uh, this boyfriend, Sharky, had another girlfriend. Yeah. Of course. Step, yeah, right. I Good know. relationship. I know, I know. These, mm-hmm. are, these are wonderful people. Uh, th- this other girlfriend's name is Karen Keefe. Uh, Karen did some time in prison. Turns out she uh, she was in the same prison as Sue Neil Fraser. Of course she was. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Karen seems to have hatched a scheme to collect that forty thousand dollar reward plus some other money. There was talk in the press about a total total amount of ninety three thousand dollars wow. Australian. What? Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Where'd and, the other fifty k come from? Well, I'm not totally sure about okay. that. Okay. I'm not, and I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying that Sue promised it to her or anything like that. Maybe somebody else. I, I had no idea exactly okay. who promised her this. Some kind money. of private source that we don't know about. But yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, but anyway, we're talking about it, an overall amount of you know a substantial amount of money. Yeah. Yeah, at least in Australia. Uh, but the scheme involved getting Megan to confess involvement in the crime, which would tend to make you know make it possible to maybe get Sue out of prison. But it turns out uh, when Megan recanted, she said uh, she had been coerced. She said that she was, quote, threatened to be put in the boot of a car over that piece of paper, unquote. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound like fun to me. No, I assume assume what was meant by that is put in the boot of a car, like dead. Yeah, Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Uh, I picked that up. Yeah, and so, yeah, so so it turns out uh, that was a big fizzle that piece of fresh evidence is kind of out the window and as for karen o'keefe if you're wondering she and a couple of other people one of them was an attorney uh have been charged with quote perverting the course of justice unquote so they're yeah. in more trouble now oh yeah i mean uh they, understandably they, courts really don't like it when you pull this kind of uh-uh. no, surprise no. yeah i know yeah uh, uh sue supporters have also brought in a guy named paul Rowe. that's w-r-o-e who uh, turns out was living on his boat in Sandy Bay, which is right about there, nearby. Nearby. The winds. Yeah. And it uh, turns out Paul has a violent criminal past, uh, and he's been accused by some people of being a serial killer. And so That's on say, forums that that, that I, I, out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, well, sir, some people have said he, was, he would be a very credible suspect uh, as a killer of Bob. So, you know, I mean, Obviously, they, they they seem to be basically throwing everything they can at the wall, seeing if anything will stick. Right. Yeah. Uh, Paul Rose says he never met Sue or Bob. He says he's not a serial killer. In fact, he says he's going to sue a few people over that. I uh, would. He, gave, he yeah. gave DNA evidence. Yeah, he gave the, he gave the police DNA evidence yeah. in 2012. I think they, they probably did question everybody who was anywhere nearby. And so he did give them DNA evidence. Uh, his sample didn't match anything having to do with the crime. And as for the criminal past, uh, Rose says it was just youthful exuberance, you know. 
Like, you know, your usual bar fights and stabbings, that kind sure. of thing. Yeah, yeah he normal. Did, yeah, he did have kind of normal a... Normal kid stuff. He did have kind of a, a sketchy youth, you know. Uh, as far as I know, there there is no evidence to incriminate him in Paul Rowan and in Bob's death in any way. So uh, the, latest, uh, the latest appeal to free Sue appears to have fizzled, um, kind of like circling the drain. Um, I think this might be it as far as trying to get her out of prison. But nonetheless, opinion down under is still sharply divided as to whether Sue actually did the deed or not. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is who murdered, or at least who disappeared, Bob Chapel? Right. Great question. Yeah. we go. Well, Somehow we're not in theories yet. Uh, well, now, just we now. We will be in theories in a moment here. Just give me Finally. a chance here. Yeah, I know. Let's toss out some theories here. So who who did it? What happened? Okay. Uh, theory number one? Theory number one. No particular order here, but uh, one popular theory is that the Tasmanian devil got him. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people believe that Bob was the victim of a random Tasmanian devil attack. When I say Why is a lot, there an asterisk after that sentence? <laughs> yeah. When I say a lot, I mean a number between zero and 500,000. Uh, yeah. Did the Tasmanian devil think that he was Bugs Bunny and uh, therefore had to attack him? Because that's the only reason the Tasmanian devil ever kills in uh, the Warner Brothers cartoons. You know, it could be like misdirection. Maybe Sue's, maybe Sue tapped on the shoulder and said, hey, hey, Bugs is on that boat. Kill. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, All right, this is obviously not real. No, no, I'm not going to give this any more oxygen because I actually think the Tasmanian devil's got kind of an unfair rap. They're actually very cute little animals, and they are totally harmless when they're not trying to murder you. And they're uh, cousins of Choopy, so we got to be nice to them. That's mm-hmm. true. Actually, and I, and I couldn't do this without going out on the web and looking at some Tasmanian devil pictures, and they are pretty cute. When they're not hissing and screaming with their mouths open at you with drool coming out? Yeah, they're yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> and they do have large jaws they're, they're, and lots of teeth. They're the they? Australian raccoon. Yeah, they kind of are. But uh, yeah, when they're not doing that, they're kind of cute looking. So, okay, so much for that theory. Good job, by the way, Devin, for not freaking out at the mention of a raccoon. Thank you. Is mm. this, this therapy is working. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like... It's like just Exposure therapy. Exposure, yeah. exactly. Yeah, all right. Now, our next theory, which... Better uh, she's asleep. Yeah, I don't think she cares. She, yeah, she keeps, <laughs> she's staring at her phone and not actually reacting at all. That's it, not uh, true. Yeah. Staring at the script and not reacting at all. <laughs> 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 at the script in dismay. And, next uh, theory? Our next theory. Bob Chappell left to start a new life, pausing only to frame Sue on his way out the door. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. no. No, that would have meant that because that would have meant Bob like giving up all of his retirement, just going off to start a new life and living in poverty somewhere. So it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, another possibility is maybe Bob committed suicide and either willingly or not incriminated Sue at the same time, mm. which I'd say was you know well done, sir. But uh, it seems unlikely, unlikely too. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, no evidence for that. You know, they would probably would have found his body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because they did, uh, as I mentioned, scour the river pretty well, especially right. near the, where the boat was. So, right. Yeah. Okay, so the suicide thing is out. Um, so another one is, you know, maybe Bob died accidentally, and then Sue discovers his, discovers him dead, decides to ditch the body, thinking, well, now since I've talked to so many people about the possibility of murdering Bob, <laughs> and now he's dead on the boat, maybe this would look kind of bad. Maybe I should just ditch the body. Yeah, maybe me dumping the body in the exact way I discussed murdering people sounds like a better idea. Hey, see, it wasn't exact. She used a fire extinguisher, not a toolbox. See, this, yeah. this is very dumb to me, because if indeed she had found him dead yeah. in some form, I don't care whether it was he accidentally stuck a fork in his own head, yeah. or he drowned in an of water in the bottom of the boat. Uh-huh. If she immediately took the dinghy 
I'm guessing they didn't have a cell phone, so she yeah. immediately went back to the marina she actually, and called the cops. She actually had her cell phone on her on the yacht when she visited the yacht Bob that afternoon. Okay, so yeah. well, I'm just saying, but even even if she didn't have a phone on her and she had had to go make the call, uh-huh. nobody would have said, "Huh, why did you leave?" Like it would it it wouldn't have looked we- as weird as just the not body a, disappearing. Not at all, not at all. So I mean, that's obviously a ridiculous idea. Yeah, but you know, I mean, I don't know how much our listeners love to hear theories, theories, and lots of theories. So we'll throw them all out there. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, none of them are sticking though no, so this far. Is- Kind of like the uh, the free to, the free Sue team, you know. They're like just keep throwing stuff at the wall, and it <laughs> seems to stick, you know. Uh, another theory, and this is a popular theory. I'm not lying now. Uh, that somebody other than Sue murdered Bob, mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of people believe. Uh, of course, the presence of two sets of DNA on the boat, one of which is unknown, would suggest that maybe this is kind of possible. Well, and there's a but there this this would lend credibility to. The odd things, like the dinghy being randomly floating loose and stuff uh, like that. Maybe, yeah. So, yeah, uh, so somebody stole the dinghy, uh, went out to the boat, murdered Bob, and then took it back to shore and didn't bother to tie it up and didn't bother to clean out the blood in the bottom because why would you? But you know? wh- Why would you care? It's not your dinghy and, you know, yeah. you don't care. So, you know, okay. And, but on the other hand, of course, if Sue had used the dinghy, it's conceivable she could have left it untied expecting it to drift out to sea. So, you know, that, so the fact that the dinghy was untied does not prove that somebody other than Sue took the dinghy. She would have to be amazingly unaware of the way that water moves inside uh, of a marina well, to think that it would just float away. Stuff. Yeah, and tides and all that good stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it, she may have been amazingly unaware. I don't know. I mean, but I, I've seen I, things untied in the waterfront here in Portland at the mm-hmm. marina that you and I used to go to all the time. Yeah. And it was exceedingly difficult for things to get out. And it seems so simple. And yet mm-hmm. stuff would just bounce around in there and never go away. Yeah. Well, that's because there's a decent sized current and that's in an eddy. I mean, it's, it's, but, it, and, but and, and, my, and I could totally my, see the Royal Yacht Club being in an eddy because it is kind of in a dimple in the coast. Yeah. But my, a, my point is yeah. a dinghy floats on top of the water. So it's going to be hard to find that one or two little escape points mm-hmm. one thing i will say is that um when i was googling w- other things that will light luminol up yeah um bleach is one of the things that will light luminol up mm-hmm. so it's possible that she did bleach out the bottom of the dinghy mm-hmm. thinking well they'll you know they won't find any blood in it because it'll have been cleaned yeah. but if they find it floating it'll make it look more like somebody who didn't really care about it you know, just threw it away or whatever. And yeah, yeah and exactly. then they did test it for luminol and she was like, Oh dang. <laughs> Conversely though, if, if that dinghy came with the boat and they bought the boat used and the boat was not in the greatest of shape, that dinghy may not have been in the greatest of shape. And somebody might've said, ha, mm. huh, it's a white dinghy and the interior is Brown. Maybe I should bleach it and see if I could clean it. I mean, there's a, a million ways that well, that somebody could else could have been murdered in the dinghy too. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, realistically it could be some, but I don't know how long blood I, sticks around to, you know, yeah. light luminol up. But And I don't know how often you clean your dinghy either. I don't yeah. I wouldn't clean it. It's really it's, at a, all. it's on an individual basis. Each yeah. person is different. Probably, but it is yeah. weird. I mean, you know, it's weird that there's two sets of DNA and that one of them is Megan Voss, maybe, mm-hmm. but maybe not, but probably. Probably is her. Or um, her at least her DNA. But yeah. I guess the, I thought the point of like 
even you know putting your boat at a yacht club is that like there's there's restricted access it's like a gated community for your boat yeah right? that's that's that, so it's safer people you know people like to break into boats and right. so boats are easy to break into that's yeah. why people put them in locked marinas and stuff and so if right. the boat was tied up in the marina it would have been difficult to get to um unless there was maybe somebody there was a serial killer like you know living or at least using the marina mm-hmm. could have gone out dexter there and, style yeah exactly mm-hmm. you know and uh, yeah dexter on the boat there mm-hmm. you go yeah um, oh, i was dexter yeah it could have been dexter Dang. down australian under australian dexter mm-hmm. yeah what's australian for dexter oh, does anybody dexter. know i what's up what's dexter upside down <laughs> yeah that, Texted. Th- that's your answer mm-hmm. yeah it's like, uh, uh, no, I'm not going to say it. Rhett. <laughs> no, okay, no, yeah, no, it's too much of a tongue twister. Yeah. Of course, if somebody else, uh, if somebody else, say, had, had, had access to the club and they stole the dinghy and took it out to the boat, killed Bob, then that renders the whole Megan Voss sub theory kind of moot anyway. Yeah. yeah but then it still doesn't totally it pointless. explain yeah. why her DNA was there, but sure. No, it doesn't. And yeah. I'm thinking with, with Megan, you know, it could just possibly be she didn't want to admit to this, but uh, it might just be that she and some of her friends at some point got their hands on a small boat, decided to go out. Because they were in, I mean, if you look at the, the aerial, I don't know if it's the same case in 2009 as it is now, but literally I counted the boats out there. There were like 60 large boats anchored off the Yacht Club mm-hmm. when that photo was taken. And so I could totally see some, some ne'er-do-well types if they get their hands on a boat going out there some night. And just you know, going from boat to boat, finding boats that are unoccupied, seeing if they can break in and steal stuff. Pull for some stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, maybe she, you know, maybe she at some point, you know, pulled. She and her friends pulled alongside that boat, and she reached out and grabbed it, you know, and 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 maybe they you know, heard Bob down below or whatever, and just took off. I don't mm-hmm. know. Who knows? Yeah. So it could be that she actually did was on the boat or touched the boat or something. I mean, who knows? But as far as somebody else doing it, there's a couple of problems with this. It, like I just said, there are lots of yachts anchored there. Uh, all those boats are going to have tenders for getting to shore with. Uh, a big chunk of those boats would have had their tenders tied up in the Royal Yacht Club. And the the, uh, the club also would have had other small boats to steal. For, for non-nautical types, tenders are the dinghy. Yeah, the tenders are the dinghy. Yeah, yeah, the tender is the thing you use to get to shore. Sorry about that. No, uh, no. Nope, nope. But yeah, yeah. But uh, people keep asking for you to use all those nautical terms, and oh, I realize, wait, we're, we're losing them. Use uh, yeah. boaty talk. Uh, boaty talk. Um, but so there's all these small boats to steal in this in this marina. Uh, it's kind of an amazing coincidence that somebody intending to board go out to the four winds and commit murder, robbery, whatever, happened to take the same exact tender belonging to that same exact boat out of the marina. That's really remarkable. And as you were saying, you know, was it marked? We don't think so, right? The best yeah. I can tell, like I said, I've seen two pictures of it, and I haven't seen it from every single angle, but mm-hmm. I didn't see any markings on it that indicated it was belonged to the four winds. Right. Mm-hmm. But maybe her, Sue's knots were really easy to actually get off, uh, undo, maybe they, whereas they, they, other they, people actually used a cable lock. Yeah, maybe maybe, Possibly, yeah, maybe yeah. her marks were extra special crappy. That's a good point. <laughs> She's yeah. like, three square knots. That yeah. worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, and you could argue that if they did somehow know it was like if it was marked in Four Winds, maybe somebody says, okay, there's a boat out there called Four Winds. This must be the cruise ashore. Mm -hmm. And so we'll take the dinghy out there because we know that since they're ashore, the boat's empty, we can go rob it. But if there's anywhere from 20 to 60 boats out there, they got to go find them. They got to go find the thing. That's got to take a while, unless they've really been watching through binoculars and they've got them all marked or something like that. Yeah, which which, which speaks to a grander, larger conspiracy slash. 
plan. Right. Exactly. And the but, Four Winds wasn't like the grandest boat nah, that was not, there, right? Not I mean, because really, no. there would be something to be said of well, oh, it was plated look, in gold. That's the biggest boat out there. Yeah. We're going to that one. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure it was one of the larger ones at but, 53 feet. That's a pretty decent sized yeah, boat. But yeah, but it wasn't like the biggest of uh, them. It's not a mega yacht. 53 feet is not that enormous. But it's know? not tiny. I mean, maybe no, that was just, it. It's a substantial boat. Yeah, yeah, maybe that was just it is they, they thought, oh yeah, this says four or, you know, whatever. And yeah. we're going to go out to that boat that's the biggest one. Yeah. And rob it. And yeah. then, you know, midway through the robbery, Bob comes up and they're like, ah, oh, dang it. Uh, yeah, exactly. So they hit him over the head with something. And, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, they don't know if they've killed him or not. I mean, right. you, you know, you don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, always, I always loved that in the movies when they, they cock somebody out, you know. It's like, you know, and they're just always so assured that he's knocked out. And it's like, you know, maybe you killed him, dude. Mm-hmm. They never even think about that. But they, but they don't know Bob is alive or dead. And the sensible thing to do at this point is that, well, okay, we just hit this guy. We better get out of here. Let's go back to shore. We'll burn the dinghy or whatever. Get rid of the dinghy. And and hopefully his head injury will prevent him from remembering our faces. And, and that's that. It sounds like a Liam Neeson movie. Yeah, really. Uh-huh. But, I mean, it really is a sensible thing to do. I mean, going, you know, taking his body and t- hauling it out way out to, towards the sea and dumping it and stuff like that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Unless you're, just... you're trying to hide the body. Well, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's like, you know, if you're just doing a little robbery kind of thing... You, if you do happen to get caught, do a little robbery thing. Do a little yeah, robbery thing. thing. You can just say, "Look, you know, we had no intention of hurting anybody. You know, he just got kind of hit on the head, and nobody intended to hurt anybody he or kill him. And or, fell. Yeah, whatever. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it makes. But but then, what really doesn't make any sense is to get rid of the body and then try to draw attention to the boat by trying to sink it. That doesn't really make sense. Yeah. For anybody to do that. I agree. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's there's a whole. I mean, the motive thing here, it's weird. Yeah, it's it's very very loose. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And so yeah, I, I, I guess it's it's a plausible theory, but it doesn't it doesn't nope. really answer most of the questions I have. No, it doesn't, it, 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 and nobody has surfaced really with any kind of a motive to do it, uh, unless it was somebody completely random. All right, so that leaves us with one other possibility, which is that Sue Neil Fraser murdered Bob intentionally. Intentionally. Uh, and the evidence kind of looks that way. Um, I mean, uh, Sue really is the one person who had a motive to sink the boat, which would be like, you know, and my, I think what a potential motive would have been would be would have been Sue didn't want to be the one to discover the, to discover the body or the, or the evidence of foul play or anything. So by sinking the boat or at least, you know, sending it lower in the water because she knows it's going to take that boat a long time to sink, mm-hmm. you know. And so she, you know, does that and then knowing that somebody's, probably going to notice and she'll be called down there and she can just you know show up and she won't be the first person on the murder scene so you know that's a possible motive i mean i don't know it's not rock solid but I w- that's the only motive i can think of for really sinking the boat well, i know that this sounds dumb with a boat but it always seems like if you're going to destroy the evidence burning the boat would be much more efficient in in destroying evidence than trying to sink it. Well, what I would have done if I would have been. I mean, think of it like a kerosene lantern or something like that, and you just right. you yeah. push it over on a cushion and then you run and leave. Yeah, it's going to catch fire. Well, no, that I yeah. Well, I, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say. I mean, you know, boats sink. Yeah, they do sometimes, and yeah. I don't know that there's a 
you know, if you have insurance on it and your boat sinks and you get to claim insurance, I don't know that they're going to go in there and be like, oh, look, it looks like like these are the three sabotage things. They're going to be like, wow, that sucks. Your boat sunk. Well, I think here's the money. Somebody's going to investigate a sinking. They always do. It's like when airplanes crash, somebody investigates it, even if it's a private craft. Right. But I don't know how how well they yeah how thorough it is or you know i don't know boats well enough to know if Mm. you could tell you know if these certain things were sabotaged necessarily or or whatever so i guess that's always my assumption with when people try to scuttle their boats by sinking them Mm. is that it's like that's i mean that's the easiest way to say like i don't know something happened it sank yeah you know the bilge pump malfunctioned and it stopped pumping and you know it sank Mm. or reversed it sank Whoops. Yeah, obviously, it's, you know, Sue didn't plan the crime as well as she could have. If she did, of course, we don't I, know. Yeah, I don't know. I would have, you know, if, if I had been her, I would have just, I would just not bothered moving the body. I would have just, you know, put some C4 into the bottom of the hull on timers and then just taken it out to sea and set the timers, jump in the dinghy, head back to shore, and the boat blows up and it sinks nice and quickly. You don't have this hours and hours and hours of slowly sinking. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, and then you just blame the... Kevin Spacey for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. it's done. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Um, so run through the official how this theory works. Because, I mean, we just kind of danced around it. but The official I mean, prosecution theory, you mean? Well, yeah. Or, I mean, or... give, give everybody what you've got here about why Sue would have done it or why it's believed why she did it. Why is she the strong candidate? Yeah, she's a strong candidate because she had a motive, financial motive. She's the only person that ever talked about killing Bob. Um, and uh, it was just numerous people testified that there was tension between them that relate, their relationship didn't seem to be that good. Uh, she was very near the murder scene the night in question, um, and she tried to cover that up. She had uh, really kind of super questionable alibis. Yeah, well, she did. I mean, for example, um, if she did indeed drive down there, take the dinghy out, and, and, and because the assumption is Bob was already dead. She goes out there later to get rid of the body. Right, and so because okay, once she killed him, so, when so she this killed is him, she killed him light. in the early afternoon, early to middle to late afternoon, sometime. But, but then after, during the, the fight, body. well, I had to leave the body because it was still daylight. It did, the sun didn't set till eight forty-one p.m., mm-hmm. and so she couldn't get rid of the body until after dark. Okay, yeah, and so so she goes back down. Now, getting rid of the body is going to take her at least two three hours. And in that meantime, her car is parked right there on Marieville Esplanade or maybe Margaret Street. And so to account for that, I mean, I mean, there's one thing to say, well, okay, I drove down there, looked, walked over, looked out, came back. But how do you account for the fact if somebody springs up? Because Sue had to become aware after they found this picture of her car. She had to become aware that perhaps other witnesses might come out and say, yeah, I remember seeing that parked in front of my house for like four hours last the other night. Mm-hmm. Whatever. She becomes aware of this. So she cooks up this story, which is, okay, I walked all the way down there, realized I'd forgotten the, the keys. The forgotten key scenario. Walked all the way back home, walked all the way back down. And, and that would account for the car being there for this very long period of time, parked in that place where, mm-hmm. you know, it shouldn't have been. Uh, and that would, be, that would be enough time to do what she intended to do, which is go move the body and get rid of it. Which is why you always leave your cell phone at home and you use a bicycle to get to the crime scene. Uh-huh. Yeah, per- I, I tie my cell phone to a, a raccoon's tail. And, uh, <laughs> In this case, it would have been a Tasmanian devil's tail, yeah, yeah. which is the Australian yeah. raccoon. Well, so what, and what else? If she's the one person who she needed to get to the Four Winds, using the Four Winds dinghy would actually know where that dinghy belonging to the Four Winds was moored. 
and also the other thing is that if somebody else, like say, used another boat, uh, some other killer, to go out to the four winds and commit murder, which is possible, I guess, then why did somebody unto the very same night somebody untie Sue's dinghy and throws the rope inside to cast it adrift? The, well, that's quite a major coincidence when you think about it. Yeah. That uh, yeah, that this all happened. And I don't think this crime was well planned. I mean, it's entirely possible, I think, that it was a crime of passion, that they were having an argument. Sue picks up a blunt object and just bashes Bob over the head with it because she's just, she snaps and hits him, didn't really actually go down there intending to murder him in cold blood. Right. And the reason I think that is it's just not a well-planned crime. No. I mean, the the idea of murdering him below decks, leaving all that blood evidence down there and everything, and, and having to go through the, the huge hassle of, hauling his body up and getting it into that dinghy. Yeah. I mean, I would have, if I had been her, I would have lowered him into the dinghy and then bashed him over the head. I suspect, and, I actually think she might have actually hit him with the um, fire extinguisher. Yeah, maybe. Which yeah, would, maybe. you know. That would account for it being missing, too. It's a murder yeah. weapon. And uh, also, you know, convenient thing to weigh somebody down with. Yeah, yeah. Although, I, you know, again, murder tip, uh, fire extinguishers, even when they're heavy, they have a big old fat air bubble right in the middle of them. Yep. Don't use a fire extinguisher. Use lead. Yeah, use lead. <laughs> use or a wrench. Ca- just use a wrench. cast iron. Yeah. Something. Yeah. You I mean, know, because cast iron is so handy to layman these days. Uh, actually, you can get ch- cast iron cheap. Go out in Craigslist and buy a used uh, weight set, an Olympic <laughs> weight set. You know. Yeah. And that's and, and there's just just dirt cheap. And yeah. It works. It's super easy to move around in your dinghy too. True. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It takes up a lot less space than concrete. And unlike concrete, little bits of it don't crumble off. Yep. You know, and also it's a lot denser than concrete, less buoyant. So yeah, cast iron all the way. Okay. Get rid of bodies. All right. Yeah, but uh, become so, Mister Universe and dump a body yeah. all in one purchase. Yeah. So here's the, and this is one of the things I do. I think I think well, how would I have done the crime? And that, that's again, first off, wait till after right after dark. Lure Bob into the dinghy by pretending not to be able to get it started or something. Hit him over the head. You've already got 200 pounds of cast iron stashed at the bottom of the dinghy. So, and you head on out towards sea. Tie Bob to the to the dinghy and to the cast iron weights. Uh, and then, when you're far enough out towards sea, you puncture the dinghy. Uh, again, pull close to shore, puncture the dinghy so you can swim to shore. Head the dinghy towards deeper water and swim to shore. And then, of course, you've You've thoughtfully hidden the moped somewhere nearby to get you home, and voila. That's that's the way I would have committed this murder. Sue, obviously, is just doesn't think about things quite the way I do. So we think Sue did it. I think Sue did it. I don't know what you guys think. I think Sue did it. I think Sue did it. I, oh, well, listen, you know, I realized that we glossed over a theory in a theory, which is yeah. the Bob died by accident theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your your theory, Bob died by accident, and then she tried to hide it, mm-hmm. excludes the Bob died by accident and disappeared by accident, and she's just a ding-dong and got herself in trouble. Uh-huh. I mean, if he's working on... Okay, listen. I, d- I just thought about this, because yeah. it just kind of... One of those things that happens to me every four or five stories, it clicks. Uh, my brain turns on. Yeah. If he's working on the boat... It's entirely possible that he could have hurt himself, which would have accounted for blood being yeah. sprayed around. He's working on the boat, which would explain why carpet tiles are pulled up and ladders are loose and stuff like that. Okay. And we've also seemed to have uh, agreed that Bob is a bit clumsy because he, he, 
she says he's bad at getting off the boat. Well, she so, said that, but other people contradicted that. Though. Okay, but, but maybe he's not the best seaman in the world. Yeah. And at this point, he is bleeding, and he runs up onto the top of the boat and falls off the boat. I mean, it's entirely possible that he is then literally swept out to sea because uh-huh. he is outside of the marina. It's not as if his body's going to get trapped in underneath everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it is possible that she, she that what she said, though as dumb as it is, uh-huh. is the truth. Mm-hmm. And Bob hurt himself, sprayed blood all over, and then fell off the boat. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's really it, but it's possible. Mm-hmm. Just like everything yeah. else we've talked about except the Tasmanian Devil, because that one's not right. You don't like that one? I know it's not real. Yeah, uh, I, and I, I didn't. Because Taz never spins over water. I don't I, even know if they. I don't know if they swim either. To be honest, they with don't. You. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't. I don't. Mm, no. I think she killed him. Yeah. I don't see any other way to. I'm surprised that this is as controversial as it is because um, there's just no other explanation. Even memory loss does not account for the the, the, the strange story about walking down to the car twice in the middle of the night. It like does, you would yeah, have remembered and, that, right? Like there's uh, at some point. Yes, memory loss, fine, whatever. Get confused about what store you were at and how, mm. blah, blah. But if you walked eight freaking miles in the middle of the night, you would remember that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you would probably tell people that, like, immediately. Well, and on top I of don't that, know, it's, it's, not, it's not just the inconsistency of the stories or the memory loss or anything. It's the whole question of why the hell would she do it to begin with? Yeah. You know, it's like, I really wanted to get the car. Well, why don't you just wait till morning and walk down then? I mean, yeah. go yeah. ahead and you know go back to sleep and walk down. I mean, walking down there in the middle of the night made utterly no sense. Yeah. And again, the whole idea that, that, uh, that somebody else killed Bob, well, that's fine. I can entirely see that. But then you got this amazing coincidence of all these strange things that Sue did that night. Yeah. She went, walked back and forth and no. back and forth with the car. But it's also... Her it's, dinghy comes untied, you know, even though she said she was never anywhere near it. She went out to the end of a pier to look for Bob, but a witness was right there, and she didn't. She was not there at the pier. Well, I mean, yeah. it's also, you know, it's the the timing with which she suddenly came forward with this stuff. Oh, that's, you that's know, suspicious, too. Yeah, yeah. it's... you. If you're only coming out with this stuff when somebody says, okay, but we saw your car, and she goes, oh, yeah, you're right, I remember. This is what happened. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're lying about it. Well, obviously. Obviously. And that's the thing, is that if Sue truly, if this truly is a miscarriage of justice, then all Sue needs to do is, like, give us an honest accounting of what the hell. And what, what were you up to that night? She and, may be ashamed to admit what she was up to. I mean, it's entirely possible that she didn't do what she said because uh, she was with somebody else. Yeah. Maybe their relationship truly was done to her. You would think and that, she uh, was fooling around, and that's why she left be. the car there okay, overnight. Fair enough, but if but. you are looking at 28 years in prison, aren't you going to be like, you're right, I lied, I was sleeping with this person, and they will corroborate my story. Right. They're, uh, how old was was Sue at 55 at the time of her conviction okay there there are people of that generation that admitting things like having an illicit affair Mm -hmm. they would rather die first they weren't married but but they were they might well be and there are people who they would rather die first than admit that they were going outside of socially acceptable behavior there's been accounts of this before where it's you know it wasn't until the other person came forward to say, listen, 
dummy over there, he and I were doing it. Uh. So obviously he wasn't there, and he would still be denied. I mean, the, people do this stuff. Okay. It's flawed logic, but it happens. Well, oh. we just have to agree to disagree on that. Oh, I'm fine uh, with she, that. She killed him. I, she killed him, yeah. Yeah, she's just like, yeah. So you, uh, and I you... feel Joe's cell phone is still strapped to a raccoon's tail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, all you folks down under, you can go to sleep. You know, I mean, stop worrying. Stop arguing with one another. You know, it's done. We've decided Sue's guilty. All right. Well, that's it. Another mystery solved. Um, anyway, if you got a theory of your own or if I've mispronounced any words, if you're suing in prison and you want to argue with us, hey, that's fine. Uh, you can email us. Uh, our, the email is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. So, yeah, tell us what you think. And we also have a website, thinkingsidewayspodcast.com where you can download and listen to our episodes. Uh, we have merch. Um, what else? we got an episode list. Yep. Yeah, and that's kind of a new thing. Um, so definitely go check that out. Uh, we're also on iTunes, where you can download and listen, uh, subscribe, give us a rating, give us a review, a good review. We like those. Uh, and, of course, you can stream us from God knows how many places. I don't Everywhere. Know, but yeah, a lot of places. Um, Google Everywhere Play. in the Internet. Yeah. We are on social media. Uh, uh, we are on Facebook, where we have a group and a page. Uh, so don't, oh, you, want, you want to like the page, join the group. Correct. Yeah, that's it. Don't friend the page. No, just join the group. Uh, and that's how you can hang out with us and all of our buddies. And there's lots of fun stuff happening Yay! out there. Yeah. Uh, we're also on Twitter, where we are thinking sideways without the G. And there's lots of fun stuff going on out there. Devin is posting... All the time, like a constantly. Little, yeah, I mean, you're like a fiend, like a Tasmanian devil almost. That's true. Yeah. Oh, I am. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, what else? We got a, th- a subreddit, which uh, is you know kind of active, sort of. Yeah, I need to get out there actually more often. But there is a subreddit, thinking sideways. Uh, and of course, uh, you know what else? We got merchandise. We got uh, shirts, mugs, stickers. Zazzle and Redbubble stores there on the right hand side of our website. Well, I guess that's about it. Uh, time to wrap this thing up and uh, head on home. You guys got any last thoughts? Comments? No, let's no. steam it out of here. All right. No, I'm, no, I can't even pawn right now. I'm sorry. No, I'm, yeah, I'm, you're I'm, at the wheel. Yeah. Ha. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.